Alright, so guys, tonight we're going to talk about how you make a difference at your age. And so, a lot of you guys here are in high school, uh, you're probably 15, 16, maybe a little bit older, younger. Uh, yeah, we're a good age. Uh, so a lot of you guys are probably thinking, you know, how do I, <laughs> how do I really make a difference in my schools, at church, you know, uh, in society today? Does my voice really matter? Does my opinion really matter? And what does the Bible say about, you know, my worth and my opinion? Uh, you know, I want to encourage you guys tonight, although you might be young, you may be in high school, maybe you don't know the Bible as well as other people, maybe you don't have some kind of skill sets somebody older may have at this point, but you're still here for a purpose, and your current age, your current knowledge, your current level, God still wants to use you to do incredible things. And you still have worth, and you still have value. Um, and if you speak up, and you guys come together, you can change the world, you can change the church for the better. Because if you guys think about it, you are the next generation. You know, eventually, I'm not going to be here. Eventually, the ones older than me aren't going to be here. And you guys are going to be the next leaders of society, the next leaders of the church. And so, how you start building yourself up now in Christ, how you, the things you learn now and the way you start to lead now can influence a whole generation that will eventually become tomorrow's leaders. And so, I want to read you guys, I want to start off with this. As I was praying through and thinking through this lesson today, one thing I thought about was that when the church stops valuing and listening to the opinions of a certain age group, then inevitably the church starts to lose people in that age group. You know, you see it all across society that if a church all of a sudden stops valuing their children's program or their youth program and they don't really care about them anymore, and they show up by the way they talk and, they, and their efforts and things like that, then inevitably people stop coming. You know, they, they feel that and they stop coming to the children's program or they stop coming to the youth program or they may stop coming to the men's program, if, you know, the women's program, whatever it may look like. And so when the, when the church stops to stops valuing and listening to a certain age group of people, then inevitably the church starts losing that group of people. And we're starting to see this more and more in our society today across America, a lot of churches are losing youth and college-age kids. And a lot of it's because, you know, the society we live in today is a little more radical than what it was in the past. You know, kids are wearing, you know, crazy things from what people say. And, you know, the music's a lot different and things like that. And so a lot of times the church doesn't know, okay, how do we, how do we, how do we minister to this group of people? You know, they're so much different than how we grew up and things like that. It's uncomfortable. And so the church just kind of stops listening to them and in a way kind of pushes them to the side and unfortunately they end up pushing them out and they don't come back. And so I want you guys to talk about today, you know, you being in high school, um, you guys being teenagers, you know, what are some ways you can do to help change, you know, the culture and the mindset of how people view youth in church so they will listen to you and they will value your opinion and so we can start growing youth back up in church again. And the first thing is, you have to know your worth. And I want to read off um, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 12. And it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gifts you have, which is given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, 
you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what, what, what that passage is talking about is that although you guys are young, you have the influence to not only change the generation that you guys live in, you can also influence the generation above you. You know, you can speak wisdom into them. You know, God can speak through you something really powerful that helps not only our generation, but the entire church. But it's also saying there that when you present something to the church or to somebody in the church and you, and you try to say, hey, I think we should be moving in this direction or we should be doing these things or this and this. If you're not carrying yourself in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, and you're not showing the church that you're maturing as a believer, then they're less likely to listen to you. And that's kind of what it says there, that last part. It says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this and what? For by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. But if you don't practice these things, if you don't live in a way that's worthy of respect, then unfortunately most people aren't going to listen to you. You may have the most wonderful thing to say that's going to help the church and is going to bring in the multitudes, but if you're not living in a way that's worthy of respect, if you're out there partying on the weekends and doing things you shouldn't do, if you're cursing in church or, you know, saying perverted things, you know, the adults pick up on that kind of thing. And so if you all of a sudden come to them one Sunday and say, hey, I believe we should be doing this. This will reach the next generation. Well, at that point, they're not going to really listen to you because they're going to say, oh, that person... They don't have a good relationship with Christ. They don't know what they're talking about. But if you show that, yes, I can be a mature Christian even in my age, and I'm growing in my maturity, then when you come and say, hey, I've been praying about this. I've been reading in the Bible. I believe God said we should do this for our church. Whether it's, you know, change the way we worship, whether it's go out and do mission projects, whether it's, you know, change the atmosphere, whatever it may be, then they may say, hey, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them. I'll listen to what they have to say. I'll at least consider what they have to say. And you never know where that may go. And so it's important to know that you can make a difference. You are worthy to do that. But to make a difference and to, make, and to really make a, a change in society, you have to make sure you're living in a way that's worthy of that, of that um, recognition. I'm going to put here, if you want older men and women to respect your suggestions, make sure you're, you're living in a way that garnishes that respect. When they can see the Holy Spirit moving in your life, they will be more open to hearing what you have to say. You know, think about this. If, if our youth group is going out and we're doing, I was talking to Caitlin about this a little bit on Sunday, and we're doing mission work and we're doing things, we're sharing the gospel and people are coming to Christ and we're seeing God move in miraculous ways, well, that, that word starts to spread to not only the, the church members, but also those around us are like, wow, something cool's happening at Legardo. You know, something cool's happening to the Legardo youth. I wonder what's going on there. And then we can say, well, you know, we're doing what God's called us to, and look at how He's blessed us. And that encourages more and more people to jump alongside and to also join in. You know, you think about like uh, movements in society today. If you're doing something and you're really passionate about it, it's going well, and you're successful, everybody else wants to jump on that bandwagon. You know, sports is going on right now, and as soon as the sports team starts doing well, they start winning three or four games in a row, everybody's like, yeah, I'm a fan of that sports team too. You know, or, or TV shows, you know, all of a sudden there's a really good TV show out there, and everybody starts talking about it, so you start watching it too, just because everybody else talked about how good it was. You don't even know what it is. 
Um, and so I want you guys to think about that as far as in, in the church life goes, in your everyday life as a Christian. If you're living in a way that people can see the Holy Spirit working in you, they can see how God is moving in your life, they see people around you that are coming to Christ, they see people around you and they're inspired and influenced by the way you're living and what you're teaching and doing, this is naturally going to be attractive to the rest of the world. They're going to want to know how are they different? What do they have that I don't have? And then you can point them back to Christ. You can share with them the way that God is moving and how maybe they should start doing that as well. Because God will bless them if they do that too. Um, I want to read you guys off Ecclesiastes 11.9. And just give me a second here. I'll pull that up. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9, and it says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes, but know that all these things that God will bring you into judgment. So basically what it's saying there is, be cheerful, be happy, live life to the fullest, but also live life the way that God's called us to. Because if you're doing things that you know are sinful, then, and you're leading other people down that road, eventually there will be punishment for that as well. And so there's a flip side of this. If we're doing the right thing for Christ, people are going to be attracted to that because they're going to see God moving in our lives. But if we're just putting on a bunch of parties and shows and concerts and lights and things like that, but we're not actually leading people to Christ, we're just doing it for our praise and our glory, and we may also draw people in because it looks cool and it's a fun thing to do, but then we're not producing any fruit in their lives. And eventually when we get to heaven one day, you know, God's going to look at that and say, you kind of missed the mark there, you know, or you really missed the mark. So there's a flip side of this. We have to be passionate. We have to be excited. We have to lead that charge and energy and, and things like that. But make sure that in doing that, we don't lose the most important thing, which is standing firm in God's Word. Because ultimately, we can put on all the parties in the world, do all the events we want to do in the world, but if we're not leading people to Christ, then it's pointless. You know, if, if we're putting on these things to lead people to Christ, and we're doing these things to reach the next generation, well, then that's great. But in the process of doing those things, we have to, we have to make sure we don't become all about the things and lose becoming all about Christ. Because if we do that, then what we're doing is worthless, and like it says in the Bible in Ecclesiastes, you know, there, there is judgment for that. So I want to encourage you guys with that. But lastly, I want, to, I, want to, um, I want to read you guys this last point here. So if you have, if you have an idea, God's laying in your heart, something the church needs to change, something the church needs to do, or maybe society as a whole, you're like, man, that's wrong. I can't believe they're making laws like that and things like that then it's, it's okay to stand up. Like I said, you have value, you have worth, and if you're living the right way, people are going to hopefully value your opinion. But when you go to correct somebody, you have to correct in truth and love. I want you guys to remember that tonight. You can write it down. The last point is, when you have something, you prayed about it, you know this is the way God's calling the church to go, or the way God is calling society to turn from or turn to, then when you go to correct your friend or somebody at church, or your co-worker, you have to do it in truth and in love. If you don't, you're probably not going to change anybody's heart. And it would be God's only one that changes hearts, but the way, it, the way you get somebody's heart to change 
is by showing them Him. So if you don't show them truth and love, then you're ultimately not really going to show them who Christ is. I want to read you guys, I want to give you guys off something here. I said, if you're going to correct someone, suggest a change in society, make sure it's back biblically. If you correct somebody with a pure heart, in love and in truth, they'll be drawn by the Spirit to listen and obey, because what you're telling them is from God and not yourself. You know, there's a lot of times in life that we're going to be upset with society, we're going to be upset with the way the world's going, we're going to be upset with the way the church is going. And if we respond out of that just in anger and go to somebody and just unload on them and just we're hateful and we're mean and rude to them, well then even though we may have valid points deep behind all that, that anger and that frustration and that hatred is going to override all that and they're not going to listen to what you have to say. They're not going to care. But if you go to that person and say, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm pretty frustrated with some things going on in society or the world or whatnot, and I want to tell you why. You know, because I, I see in the Bible here it says this, and I feel like God is calling us to this. And you show them in love. You say, hey, I, I, want us, I want them to challenge us because I care about us, and I want to see us grow, and I want to see us do great things, and I want to see God move in our lives. And I know if we do this, I believe that God can do that again. And it's the way you say it to somebody. All of a sudden, they're like, maybe I should listen to what he has to say or she has to say. If you correct in truth and love. And I want to read you guys off here. Uh, this is actually in 2 Timothy, and it's in verse chapter 3, verse 16, and it says this right here. Okay. 2 Timothy 3, 16. And it says here, In my first offense, no one can came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May, oh, may not be charged against me. Uh, read the wrong one off there. Let me read it off one more time. Um, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles may hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into this heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I want you guys, last, the last verse today, I want you guys to listen to Proverbs. And it's verse 4, 20 through 22. And I want you guys to really listen to the words here. And then we're going to talk about it. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. And this is the last one we're going to talk about. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them in healing to all their flesh. I'm going to read it off one more time. I want you guys to really think about that. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them in healing to all their flesh. And what it's saying there is that, well, the words of, the, of God, the words in the Bible, the things that God is revealing to us and has revealed to us for centuries has the power to not only change somebody's heart, but to heal them, you know, to transform them, you know, to give them life and give them purpose and meaning because when you have the Holy Spirit within you, your life all of a sudden has purpose. 
And so when you go to talk, when somebody's not living the way that God's calling them to, whether it's inside or outside the church, then we should be, we should be burdened for that. You should want to see that person come to Christ because you know if they're not coming to Christ, they're not really going to have that life. They're not going to have that joy in their life. And ultimately, if they don't have Christ in their life, they don't have salvation. And so you should want them to turn to Christ because you want to see them saved. You want to see them have the joy and the love and the peace that Christ can give them. You want to see that healing to their flesh. But if you go to somebody and you're like, well, I can't believe you're living that way. You're such a terrible person. Well, you're a horrible person. You, know, you should come to church. Is that person going to come to church? Probably not. And so you have to, you have to make sure that you, when you correct somebody and you know that God's called you to do this and you know it's the right time to say something, you prayed about it, you thought about it, you understand that I, I do have worth, I, do have, I can make a difference. When you eventually go to talk to that teenager or that adult, make sure you do it in love and in truth. And make sure you understand you do it in a way that respects them and so they also can respect you. And when you do that, you never know how much you could change the world around you. You know, you guys have great ideas. You guys have great knowledge. You know, nobody knows about the next generation as much as the next generation. So you guys know you're in school every day with people your own age. And so you know the things that, you know, grab people's attention. You know what's going to lead them to church and bring them in. And so use that, you know. But no, don't be afraid to talk to your church leaders. Don't be afraid to talk to people in society, you know, to, about things that you see that can help the church. But again, make sure that you're living the right way first, they respect you, and that you do it in love and truth. And as we close here, I want you guys to think about um, what are some things you guys would like to see change in the church, whether this church or just the church in general, in society. And then whatever that is, I want you guys to write that down. And then I want you guys to think, how do you think you should approach those in charge of making those changes? If you believe that you know, the church, whether it's this church or the church in general, um, should go a different direction. Maybe we're off course in some way. And you say, hey, I, I need to talk to somebody about how to fix that. Whatever that person may be, whether it's, you know, a youth pastor, whether it's a, a deacon, a pastor, a church leader, how, how are you going to go about that conversation? Because, that's, again, that makes all the difference. If you go in there and say, Hey, pastor so-and-so, we need to do this, 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 this. We don't. The church is dead. Okay. Are they going to listen to that? Probably not. But if you say, hey, look, I, you know, my friends at school, I think they would be willing to come to, to this event. Or they might be willing to come if we do this or this. And then after you give them the doors, maybe we can encourage them to come on a more regular basis. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you mind praying about it? All of a sudden, again, that conversation may look different. Uh, and I want to, uh, one thing, uh, Caitlin, uh, she went with uh, some of her friends, Pastor James just talking about our church here, and she wanted to lead worship uh, one Sunday, and so uh, yeah, she got some of you guys signed up. So by the way, you guys are. I just that. came as like body support. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and yeah, and so and so all of a sudden, hey, you know, the conversation went well, and you guys are on the docket now for in a few weeks. So if there's something you guys would like to see change, something you think might be benefit the church, again, you guys have great ideas. Don't be afraid to say it. But pray about it, make sure you're living the right way, and you do it in love and truth. So it has the power to really change somebody's heart. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us, and then we'll have some discussion. Lord God, I just pray that we take what we learned today from your word, and that we, we, see, we seek you, ultimately God, above anything and anyone. And God, the direction you're calling us to, 
Let us not be afraid, one, to walk in that, and then also lead others in that direction. But let us lead others in love and in truth, God, and respect them and build them up in the way you called us to. I ask, God, that you grow your church, uh, our family, God, and that we, we, we change society for you and your kingdom gets bigger and bigger, God, and that we keep our eyes on you, whatever you're calling us to do, we have the confidence and the strength to do it. In your holy and precious name we pray. Thank you for tonight. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me pause the video. Oh, you got it. Uh, so